1: Hi, I'm Zach Glazer.
2: And I'm Jennifer Wiggum, and this is episode 407 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Stephanie talks with one of our labsters, Mike Payne, and his business partner, Chad, about alternative business structures and what it can look like for people who aren't lawyers to own law firms.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by Albatross Legal Workspaces, Postali, and Posh Virtual Receptionists. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned, and we'll tell you more about them later on.
2: Zach, we have some fun events coming up, so I thought we'd talk about them here. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. I, I like fun events. I like fun events.
2: It would be weird if you didn't. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be weird. It's fine to not like events, but what if you like bad events, like mm. boring events? That would actually be really interesting. If anybody likes really boring events, just let me know. I'd like to talk to you. But- The first event we have coming up is in our lab community that we also extend an invite to people who aren't in lab yet, and it's called our Quarterly Planning Retreat, QPR. It's kind of a mouthful. We do it at the end of each quarter, and what it is is a full-day virtual event with our lawyers team and our coaches and our community where we look at the previous quarter to see what went really well, do a little analysis, see what we could have done better, and what lessons we can take from that. And then we help you prioritize the next quarter with action steps and implementation plans so you don't have that scrambling feeling you might have every quarter. Our lobsters use it as their team retreat. We really think um, most people, at least at the leadership level, should have a quarterly team retreat. And if you don't have time to organize that, come hang out with us. It will be on September 28th. It'll be 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Central, And yes, if you're not in our coaching program lab, you can join. We will put a link in the show notes for how you can join. It does cost some money because it does, but if you're in lab Mm -hmm. at our highest tier, it doesn't. But I would really encourage you to do that, especially if you were curious about what lab is like, or if you just really want your last quarter of the year to start fantastically and end fantastically. And you can work with all of our experts. It's a whole lot of fun. You'll be with other, people, like-minded lawyers like you who are doing similar things. It's just great. I would highly recommend it. So September 28th, put it on the calendar, register in the show notes, and we hope to see you there.
1: Yeah. I I enjoy that. And I don't even run a law firm anymore, but it it is a good place to do another touch point and yeah. be forced to. A lot of times, you know, running my practice, I needed something that said, Zach, this is on your calendar. You have to go to this place. Otherwise, something like a quarterly retreat, planning, I'm gonna put off. I'm gonna push off. So this oh, is a yeah. great thing to say. I'm going there this time period, this day, and we're gonna do this thing. So
2: right. And it's all planned for you. You don't have to do anything. And I forgot to say, all of your team members are invited to join under that same price. And we encourage, we want your team members to join you for this. It is a team retreat.
1: Yeah, that's the point. Great. Yeah. Well, other things that are planned out in the future that are that are fun is Cleo Con, 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 con. So that's coming up October 10th to 11th. And Stephanie and I will be there. I am going home. I'm from Nashville. CleoCon is in Nashville this year. I had a friend that used to say, I ain't bashful. I'm from Nashville.
2: Wow. And is that's that a friend we, of dad?
1: That's how we say it. No, no he's not. He's not. not a dad but that's, joke. That's okay, good. But that's how we say it there, Nashville. And that's October 10th to the 11th. So if you don't use Clio as a law practice management system, it's still a great conference. They have wonderful speakers. They have wonderful programs that are related to just running a small business. If you are a Clio user, it is a great place to get a lot of information on how to use Clio, how to use it as a you know, super user. And it is also just a phenomenal place to meet people, to glad hand, but to, to see see people, you know, shake babies, kiss hands. Um yep. but to see people that are kind of in the same position you're in, same boat, or people that are are in a, a boat a little further down the the river or whatever. How
2: many boats are at Cleocon? I had no idea.
1: Well, you know, Nashville's on a river, so True. hopefully hopefully you can get yourself onto the General Jackson Riverboat cruise.
2: You get so much more southern all of a sudden.
1: Eat some dinner. Yeah, that's that's what happens. I, I leave South Dakota. Go back uh-huh. to Memphis and the drawl just comes out. Oh, yeah. But more importantly, Stephanie and I will be there. So you can, you can meet us in person. I would love to see a ton of people. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, hugging everybody's neck.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get more Southern as it gets closer like and closer it. to October 10th. But we have a coupon code that we can share with our community. I believe the coupon code is Lawyerist. Pretty simple. But we have a link to that in the show notes here. So would love to see you there. We'd love to hear about your experiences. So yeah, CleoCon is coming up. I believe this is the first one in person in a while. Mm-hmm. So really looking forward to
2: that. Cool. Well, two good events. We hope to see you at, I don't know, both of them. Why not? Yeah, you know,
4: just yeah. We'll go wild.
2: And next we have Stephanie's conversation with Mike and Chad.
4: Hi, this is Mike Payne from Boss Advisors. Stephanie, thank you for having us on the Lawyers Podcast. We've, uh, we've been listening for quite some time and following what you all do over there. Quick introduction, I'm a CPA and a lawyer. Our firm was one of the very first and only firms to be approved as an alternative business structure, which means we've combined a, an accounting firm and a law firm, and we focus on transactional business and tax work.
3: Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Chad Hipsch, also at Boss Advisors. I'm all the credentials that Mike is in, so I'm an enrolled agent and a certified tax coach. So together, we, we meld pretty well. It was very interesting to come an alternative business structure coming from a you know a CPA, accounting firm background, focusing mostly on, on the tax world. But it's been awesome to overlay our practice areas and really find new ways that we can collaborate on our clients.
5: Yeah. Welcome to the show, guys. So Chad, how does it feel? You're the non-lawyer that owns a law firm.
3: I, I quickly realized it feels good, but I quickly realized that uh, a lot of the same ethical rules apply across all, all credentials. So in most areas, very similar, but really excited to offer our clients the opportunity to not have to tell their story twice so they can come in and be served from multiple practice areas.
5: Yeah. So maybe to kick us off, I mean, I'm curious what what brought you guys together. Were you working before or did you see this opportunity when the rules changed? Like, tell me a little bit of that backstory.
4: Yeah. So Chad and I met at a big four accounting firm, Ernst & Young. He was a specialist in state and local taxes. I was working primarily with nonprofits at the time. We both kind of went our separate ways. Chad went into a, a national company, was working in-house there. And I eventually broke off from Emergency Young and started my own practice. It wasn't long after I broke off on my own that Chad and I reconnected. We realized that he was also serving clients on the side and it just kind of made sense for us to to join up. And so by the time we joined up, I had established both a CPA firm and a law firm in Arizona. Prior to doing that, I met with the state bar, met with the ethics committee, and they've got this special kind of section that you can go talk with them and make sure that what you're planning on doing is ethical. You know, basically I had it lined out. They kind of gave me some suggestions on a couple of the rules regarding solicitation and things like that. But the overall conclusion was lawyers are permitted to own a non-legal business even while they're practicing law. And so that's how I had it set up. I had to do some things that made it administratively inconvenient. I had to have two websites, two phone numbers, two email addresses, two separate bank accounts. Everything really had to be separate. And then, you know, once we started growing, Chad joined, we partnered up with the CPA firm, but at the time he wasn't allowed to own any interest in the law firm. And so we had this kind of awkward dynamic that we worked through regarding which services could be done through the CPA firm, and which ones had to be done through the law firm, because you know we're, we live at that intersection where tax and law you know join up, and there are arguably you know some things that could be done by lawyers or non-lawyers. They're not clearly law practice, or not clearly you know anything else. And so we worked through that and did that for a few years, and then we figured out. Um, I think in in the COVID year 2020, Arizona had announced that it would be the first state to wave rule 5.4, which prohibits lawyers from sharing fees with non-lawyers. And by doing so, that essentially allowed non-lawyers to come in and own equity in a law firm. And so we were we were on top of it. I mean, I probably spent 40 hours reviewing the rules, drafting our application. We turned the application in pretty much right away when, when we could. And we were in the first group to be approved. And it just made our lives easier because we no longer had to conduct ourselves through two separate business entities. We, can, we just can do everything under one roof now. It was really beneficial, especially on, on the side where
3: we'd have to do this awkward kind of cross referral oh, yeah, well, we can talk to you about tax services, but let's take my lawyer hat, put it back on, take my CPA head off, and say, yes, we can. And so ultimately, we came. This administrative burden of sending out two engagement letters, the client would get the first one and and sign it. And then they'd realize, well, why aren't we starting on the legal services? And we have to remind them, yes, there's two separate engagement letters. Ultimately, with the ABS, it became much easier for us to engage with our clients and and work with them and not have to kind of do this dance around to follow the rules that are in place for for a reason. But Arizona was on the cutting edge.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense probably to most people thinking about it and listening that tax and law, like those two intersect a lot. And so I think that seems like a natural partnership or combination, right? That those two things, you would want to go to one place and get both of those types of services. What's the reaction been from your clients and from the people that you're working with? Or do they even care? (laughs) I guess.
4: Yeah, I think um, the onus is on us to make them aware. Initially, we didn't do a good job of that because, you know, one example, we had a client preparing to sell a $10 million firm, construction company, rather, not a firm. This Chad's client, they had been tax clients for some time, but they weren't aware that I do transactions. I do M&A work. And that's the bulk of what I do normally. And so they approached us for some tax advice on the transaction. And I called them and said, hey, do you have Representation on this. And I said, yes. And and then I told him, you know, if you need additional legal representation, this is something that I do. And he's like, okay, great. I had no idea. We've since shifted some of our practices. Recently, we decided that although it, it takes more time for every new client consultation, we would have a representative from the tax side and the legal side. And normally that's Chad and I are joining for every new client call. The purpose is not to try to cross sell. And if if someone comes in with tax planning needs, it's not to try to cross sell them on entity structuring or, you know, any legal contracts. It's rather just to make them aware that, hey, if these questions come up, which, you know, they always do, there's always legal things that, you know, even if they don't proactively bring them up, a good transactional lawyer doing some basic issue spotting will identify them. There's always some cleanup that needs to be done on the legal side. And vice versa, anytime we're talking about a transaction or structuring a legal entity or writing a contract, there's always tax implications. And so we try to approach it from, hey, we are going to look at this from both angles. You may choose not to engage us, to be your lawyers, or your, your tax people. And that's OK, because it w- at least we've, we've done you know, enough to make them aware that there's an issue. And if they want to use their existing lawyer, totally fine. We've, we've provided value to the client that way already.
5: Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, you've kind of already hinted at this. I mean, I think, Chad, you did a good job. But, you know, my question was, what do you think some of the biggest benefits are to you guys having this joint structure? I mean, it sounds like one is it's just administratively a lot
3: easier. For sure. You get to cut down on how many times you have to send an email back and forth from different emails. We talked about the engagement letters. But then also, it's a much easier and smoother conversation to say, Part of our model is a subscription-based service, and we check in quarterly with our our clients. And maybe during one of those calls, we might mention estate planning, or oh yeah, I'm looking to buy a property. I needed a new LLC formed. It's much easier for me to just quickly message one of my one of my employees, have them jump on the video call and talk through those issues without saying, "Hold on, let me refer you to this third party. They'll be able to talk through with those issues." And really, our lawyers get a much better understanding of the tax and our, our tax professionals get a much better understanding of what the, the legal implications so we can issue spot and then bring in the, the right people to serve the client.
5: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the client's benefiting because they get all the expertise they need in the room at the time they need it without bouncing around, which also would be more expensive, right? When you have to bring this person up to speed and you know, it just overcomplicates things. I know there's been lots of naysayers out there. There's a lot of attorneys that hear things like alternative business structure, and that makes them really nervous and really scared. And maybe some of that fear comes from the uncertainty. But here's your chance, I want to give it to you to address those folks. And is it as terrible as everyone is worried it will be?
4: <laughs> I don't see anything terrible about it. It's interesting. I just read a an article in the, the Arizona Attorney Magazine, basically recap but law firm alternative business structures. And so there was this panel. One thing that was interesting that they talked about was in Arizona, we don't regulate law firms, we regulate lawyers. And for that reason, in Arizona, law firms are not required to be registered. They don't register, they don't pay a fee. Whereas an alternative business structure is licensed by the state bar through the power of the Supreme Court or whatever powers that be. And we're voluntarily subjecting ourselves To not only a significant fee—it's a six thousand dollar application fee for most firms. It can be more than that depending on your size, and then three thousand dollars per year to renew it. But we're also subjecting ourselves to some pretty stringent rules. Every ABS has to have a compliance attorney, and that has to be somebody with enough managerial authority to actually, you know, have some power to make decisions. And that person is responsible for making sure that all of the ethical Guidelines have been followed for any legal services provided. You know, I think some of the fears that people had were, you know, some of the same fears that we have around things like legal Zoom or legal document preparers, you know, the general unauthorized practice of law that clients won't get good service, uh, maybe that fees will be discounted to where lawyers can't charge what they're worth. I think what we see with everything is you pay for what you get. And so, I think it's appropriate at times for clients to use LegalZoom when they have enough sophistication and understanding of their situation where all they need is the proper form and they don't need advice from a lawyer. I think there's times where that's perfectly fine. I've done that before. I've used it myself. Other times, the value that lawyers provide is is analyzing a situation, applying the legal rules and providing advice and doing that under the lawyer client privilege. And so any of these other arrangements that don't allow for that are not going to be on par with traditional legal services. And I would add to the, to the, as a non-attorney in the
3: room, it, all of the ABS requirements, whenever they potentially conflict with other professional designation rules and responsibilities, as an ABS, we're voluntarily, as Mike said, subjecting ourselves to the higher code of conduct with the, the Arizona State Bar. So, We're under the same kind of restrictions and expectations. As far as business goes, being able to work with Mike hand in hand on all aspects, instead of saying, actually, I have to stop the conversation there. Let me send you over there to talk to to Mike. And it literally is just over there, a couple offices down. So it's not like they have to go around the street or set up another appointment, but it just makes it much easier to serve our clients.
4: Yeah. And I know you have other questions, Stephanie. I wanted to make a point on Chad's remark. And this is one of the things that I pointed out in our our renewal application that we recently turned in to be renewed as an ABS. That aspect, the fact that we can so easily bring a lawyer in to offer a quick oversight, just knowing if we have an issue, right? without providing any legal advice, just knowing if we need to seek legal advice on any particular matter, it's huge. And I think there's a, a barrier. And a kind of a stigma against lawyers in the world, you know, from uh, maybe from actual bad lawyering or maybe from media and and TV. But people are scared to hire lawyers. And I would ask the audience, uh, listeners, if you've ever had to hire a lawyer yourself, what did that feel like? I did that before starting my firm. I hired a lawyer to help me analyze a CPA firm that I was looking at buying. And we sat there and it was a 350 consultation fee. And the first 20 minutes, we got to know each other and talked about my family. And I'm like, look, dude, I don't care about any. I don't care where you're from or where you went to high school. I'm paying you for your advice and the clock is ticking. And this is expensive. You know, after that, I didn't, I kind of took his like consultation and filled in the rest myself because I didn't want to pay him $2,500 for a memo. And I think people are much more likely to get access to lawyers with this type of structure, because it's just such a, it's a soft introduction and they can see that they already trust us, right? Both lawyers and accountants have that relationship of trust with clients. And so bringing somebody in, um, knowing that, you know, they're within our same firm, which you've already established a relationship of trust with, it's a huge advantage for the clients and for us.
5: Yeah. It all makes perfect sense to me and as you guys know we're a big advocate we think this change is needed we think it it solves a lot of problems and it seems like with what arizona's done with these extra regulations they've been very thoughtful in thinking through the potential ways it could go wrong and said hey we're going to we're going to actually overregulate this business and make sure we're protecting against that and i think at the end of the day what we all should care about is the clients that the clients are getting the representation they need, the expertise they need at a price that they can afford. And I think that's sometimes lost in the discussion around what we as lawyers want to see in our profession, which, you know, I get why we want to be protective of that. It's scary. But at the end of the day, if the clients are being well served by the, at a price that they can afford, not everyone can afford the top level services and we got to do better. It's just not working.
4: Yeah. And I did say props to Stephanie and your team. What year did you write the, the small firm roadmap? Was that like 18 or 19?
5: It was published in 19. We had been talking about it for a while and on the site and things, but yeah.
4: There's a chapter in there that's prophetic, talked about, didn't use any of this terminology because Arizona at that time, I don't even know if it had been announced that they were looking at something like this, but you you really called that out that in the near future, we'd be seeing something like this, lawyers, combining their business with non-lawyers. And and of course, we've seen that overseas. That's already the case in a lot of countries. U.S. is is slow to adopt, but you'll see this has already been working very well in places like the U.K. and Australia and I believe Canada.
5: Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, though, I want to dig in a little bit up to your subscription service and how you guys are actually working with clients because I think there's some good lessons there.
1: The Lawyerist Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could clone yourself? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Since you can't be in two places at once, let Posh answer. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365, to answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. The Posh app puts you in total control of when your Posh receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash Lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Service. That's posh.com forward slash lawyerist. And by Albatross Legal Workspaces. When running any business, including a law practice, there are critically important operations that are often overlooked and ignored by lawyers. Top on that list is data security, ransomware protection, data leaks, and data backups. Those tasks can seem unimportant and time-consuming or an added cost. And even with IT teams involved, they're often misconfigured and mismanaged. Albatross Legal Workspaces is an excellent solution for law firms to streamline those types of operations. Albatross Legal Workspaces was built to be the all-in-one office for law firms. It stores all your applications, files, desktops, and servers in your own private cloud that is accessible from anywhere. No need for expensive desktop or server upgrades or unresponsive IT companies coming to the office. And the mundane yet critical security and backup operations are seamlessly integrated, hassle-free. The service also includes 24-7 IT help desk. Albatross Legal Workspaces covers you from A to Z. To learn more and receive one month of free service, please visit albatross.cloud forward slash lawyerist. That's A-L-B-A-T-R-O-S-S dot cloud forward slash lawyerist. And by Postali. Finding a marketing partner for your firm can be challenging. Are you getting sound advice? Is your marketing agency always working in your best interest? You shouldn't have to worry about these things. At Postali, they believe marketing companies should adopt the same duty to their clients that is required of the legal profession. For this reason, they require that all team members sign a fiduciary oath to act in good faith and put clients' best interests ahead of their own. They service with care, candor, and loyalty. Postali is a full service digital marketing agency exclusively for lawyers. To learn more about how they're different, visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist. That's P-O-S-T-A-L-I.com com forward slash lawyerist.
5: All right, we're back with Mike and Chad, and they have started one of the first, if not the first, alternative business structure in Arizona, offering tax and legal services in a combined setting and you guys are primarily doing this offering your services on on what we would call a subscription model is that right
3: That's right I think when I got started even before I joined Mike I I start I looked at what is all out there in the market how can we price effectively and efficiently and over time I figured out the things that from a tax perspective business owners need entrepreneurs need throughout the course of the year And it is not a, here's all my paperwork, and then you get it a couple months later saying, here's the good news or here's the bad news. And then they wait a year and you do it all over again. So when I talk to prospective clients, I tell them, we're not your dad's, and I'm using air quotes, but we're not your dad's CPA. We want to make sure that we're available on call. So we formulated this subscription-based model, which includes the very basic compliance needs, a tax return, but then also... Regular check ins via a quarterly meeting, as well as on call advice. We know there's questions that pop up throughout the year. We tell our clients routinely don't Google it, just call us, and we will be able to answer your question. So it's worked really well because it gives our clients a very budget friendly monthly fee. And frankly, for us, it's not as bad as well because that's reoccurring revenue, but it it creates this. Also, there's an ancillary benefit of clients aren't afraid to call us. To Mike's point earlier in the podcast, like we're not on the clock. So it, please reach out to us. And we, I think we've done a good job of pricing it in such a way where we know that upfront, we're going to put in a lot of work develop that relationship. But then over time, we are really involved in our clients' lives so that they can come to us when needed. And there's no, here, let me tell my whole story again. While we We probably checked in once and then now we're going to check in again. But here's this quick question. Yes, I'll answer it.
5: Yeah, I think a lot of people are always worried. I get this question all the time. If I give this idea of unlimited phone calls and emails, it scares everyone because they think, oh, then people are just going to call me all the time. And, you know, I feel very strongly. I don't think that's the case. I think they're really busy. But since you guys are doing that, what has been your experience?
4: There's definitely some that, I would say probably have more anxiety that that call more frequently than we would expect. But what we've also noticed is that the more touch points we have with the client, the stickier our relationship gets with them, and it's actually better for us. It's more opportunities for us to to prove our worth. It makes them more likely to want to engage us for additional services, and and that's one thing that within our services, if they've been taken care of from a tax perspective, and in, in a conversation or they read an article or see something on TikTok and realize, oh my gosh, I probably need a trust. Once they become aware that we'll prepare a trust or, or a nonprofit corporation for them, it's an obvious, they, they won't even go anywhere else because they've we have have such a relationship with them. They're already under our care and they know our, our prices are going to be reasonable. And so they'll come back and, and uh, you know, the ones that that do abuse it, typically If we are planful, I'll say about what's happening with their businesses, we can anticipate that and we can kind of project and know that, you know, we had one that they moved basically a, you know, eight figure business from California to Arizona. There were multiple aspects to that. And that's been an ongoing one of our busiest clients that we've provided uh, services to under this subscription. But that's just because they were going through a lot of changes. I mean, they were for the first time adopting payroll they had, they needed, you know, worker, you know, classification analysis, they needed state tax nexus, and they wanted to do a merger. And there was all these changes. But after all that kind of cleared up, and, and plus, Chad, when initially, initially reviewing their file, identified some missed opportunities and was able to go back and amend several years of tax returns, got them like another $100,000 of refunds that they weren't expecting. And so you know, there was a lot of work, but now that things have kind of settled down, they fall under our normal hey, I'll, I'll contact, we'll we'll meet quarterly, and maybe one or two questions a month pop up that we see all the time. So we can very efficiently address those.
5: Yeah. Chad, can you do that for me?
4: Of course.
3: Uh, <laughs> what I found to be very successful is a free consultation up front. I had to learn the hard way that as an accountant and a tax expert that I'd love to give away free advice and clients and prospective clients especially love that as well, right? <laughs> oh, well, here's my quick question. But really it gave them the opportunity to send us a couple of years worth of tax returns ahead of time where I'm able to review ahead of the call, kind of map out all of my observations, have the call with them, talk through what's working with boss advisors looks like, what sets us apart. We're right. you know, a hybrid accounting and law firm. But- we also can outline all those potential savings and missed opportunities. And luckily, I mean, the IRS doesn't let us go back too far, but three years we're able to go back typically and get, get the money that's missed.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think though, the the larger point, I mean, yes, I'd love for you to find some money for me, but I know that we had Ron Baker on this show recently. In fact, I reached out to Mike because I knew Mike had read his materials and we we talked, I said, Hey, if you have any questions before I interview Ron, let me know, because I know you guys were doing this. I think the big takeaway here though, is that you guys really rethought about the value that you're offering to clients. Like Mike said, it's not just a bunch of documents, you know, once a year, or as Chad pointed out, it's not just the tax filing. It really is a different way of thinking about your value and what that is that you're packaging and selling to your clients. And that seems to have been pretty successful for you guys.
4: Yeah, uh, one thing we talked about at the, the recent Lawyerist LabCon conference was uh, how we we kind of profiled our clients into the most common four buckets, and that allowed us to uniformly within our firm every staff member, every lawyer, CPA, um, enrolled agent, or administrative staff member can very easily identify the type of client based on the predefined attributes. And once we know who those clients are, we know exactly what their needs are because a single member S Corp looks a lot different than a, a sole proprietor or a real estate investor or a, a complex partnership, but we, we already pre-identify what the needs are so that there's really not a lot of surprises and we can be very predictable with our fees because we know exactly um, what state and federal filing ob- obligations they are going to have, we kind of know the pace and the cadence of, of their businesses. And then it allows us to be competitive. And you know, clients like that certainty. They like knowing that they're going to pay every month, but they're not going to get a big surprise bill when tax time rolls around. They're not going to get a $3,000 bill because we'll, they'll have already essentially prepaid that. And then the tax return is just like one box that we check as part of their overall service. I think the biggest value add is this ongoing access to tax professionals, where we teach them, we inform them, we educate them, and then going forward, we can see year over year that that knowledge builds upon itself, to where you know our clients really understand what's happening in their tax situation, and that's a big jump from where most business owners start, which is tax is scary and it's uncertain, and I don't want to deal with it, so I'm going to pay somebody. Now it's yeah, I get it. I understand my tax situation. I understand when I pull this trigger in my business, this is what could happen from a tax perspective, but I'm prepared for it because I know that I have a strategy for it.
5: Yeah. If somebody's listening and they're in a state that isn't as progressive as Arizona and they see the natural, there's so many, I think, natural relationships that blend nicely with law firms. What advice or thoughts would you give to someone that's listening right now that was like, gosh, I could see a lot of benefits from what Mike and Chad are doing, but I'm not allowed to do it yet. What would you tell those folks?
3: Move to Arizona. No, I'm just kidding. We have a, <laughs> lot, of, a lot of people moving here anyways. But I think when we've seen this even outside of this industry of ABS, it's we have we work with a variety of financial advisors. There's a, a there's an automatic synergy between accountants and lawyers and financial advisors where we don't have a formal relationship with one, but we've gotten to the point where we'll sit in on each other's discovery calls, consults, so that maybe it's a a client of ours that we're referring to them or or vice versa. And it just creates this synergy of, I've got two experts in the room, different practice areas, but both have play key and provide key advice to different parts parts of my life. So it's kind of aligning with, Like-minded professionals that are in supporting supporting roles and and finding a way that either formally and in most cases it has to be informal, but a way to to collaborate together.
4: Yeah. So I I would say the, the key word here is affiliation. We've talked about referral relationships, and those are strong, but we've tried to go beyond that and we've tried to loosely affiliate ourselves with other professionals. And we've we do a lot of vetting. We meet different advisors. Insurance providers, et cetera, just through the normal course of business. When we find the ones we like, we may we take time to get to know them. And then we, you know, we try to create this affiliation where sometimes you can do referral fees back and forth, depending on the rules. And there's not just legal rules, there's other regulated industries that have rules around referral fees. But most of the time, other advisors are just wanting to, to look good. And the way that they look good is by correctly identifying the right service providers when those opportunities come up. So the more that you can familiarize them with your business and the more that you can get to know their business, the better that relationship is going to be. And there's nothing like a soft referral from an insurance provider who has already worked with us and can already kind of prepare the client. Hey, yeah, this this firm boss advisors, this is how they do their billing. This is what they do. This is what you can expect. And that insurance provider knows that because we've worked so much together and they've sat in, in our, on our meetings. If you are an, a lawyer who forms LLCs, an insurance provider would be a great one. Maybe, maybe even a marketing person, because those are typically elements that new business owners need to start thinking about. And so you could do a multifaceted approach where your first meeting, you have them, you know, be wary of lawyer client privilege and having non-lawyers there. But Maybe it's a outside of legal counsel. Maybe there's a, an introductory meeting and you say, Hey, here's my team of preferred providers. And these are the ones that I sent to, they know how to do this correctly. I've made sure of that. And so those guys get a warm referral. They're much more likely to refer back to you if you start feeding them.
5: Yeah. Something you said, it really struck me and I don't want it to get lost because that you actually are seriously vetting the people that you're going to refer business to. And you had told me previously, you do that with lawyers as well, other law firms. In fact, you really, what's the right word, flattered me because you said that you have them read the small firm roadmap as part of that process to see, like, do you align with these values that we talk about in the book? Because those are the kind of firms that you want to work with. So To our listeners, you don't necessarily have to make sure all your referral sources have read the Small Firm Roadmap, but I would not be upset if that was one of your requirements. But I think the point is that sometimes we just meet people and we say, oh, sure, I'll send you work. And instead, if you got really serious about it and said, I mean, I feel like we could do a whole episode just on this issue. (laughs) You know, like, no, I'm going to actually take time to get to know you, know you, your business. And your core values and how you approach business. And then and same you get to know me as well. And now we feel really comfortable sending each other work. I mean, it seems like that's going to be a relationship that also is really sticky and works over time versus what we tend to do, which is go to like a bar association networking event and try to pass out some cards and hope for the best.
4: Yeah, there's some benefits to vetting. One thing is obviously trusting that they'll take care of the client you send to them and and also, won't step on your toes if they have, you know, the, some of the same practice areas. The, they can stay in their lane because they value the relationship we have. The other thing is, you know, we want clients who follow the path and and kind of the pattern of that's laid out in the small firm roadmap. We want clients that are thinking they're growth minded. We want them to be modern in their practices. And so, if we align ourselves, say, with a financial advisor or CPA firm who you know, works only with paper and only does in-person meetings and doesn't use s corpus because, you know, they're stuck in the 80s and they only use C-Corporations, right? That They're going to send us the type of clients that we're going to have to then spend extra time trying to get them to get up to speed and use cloud-based software and, you know, pay our bills electronically instead of mailing us checks and always demanding in-person meetings. So we want other providers that have already kind of set the tone for how to work with professional service providers. And I think the other thing on that, when we're vetting our clients, we want to make sure that they're the type of people that use professional service providers, because we have a specifically identified a DIY client is not a good fit for our firm. If, if we ask them as part of our intake, you know, who do you use for currently for legal services? Who do you currently use for bookkeeping and tax prep and all these other things? And if they're DIY across the board, That's probably a client that's looking for a transaction instead of a relationship. And we want, with our billing structure, it's really geared towards business owners and specifically professional service providers like lawyers, CPAs, and financial advisors, and medical professionals who want an ongoing relationship and who have a need for ongoing support and not just a, give me a quick look at this transaction, then I'm going to disappear. That's not our style. Mike, you bring up a really good point
3: uh, about that as identifying your ideal client. I'm I'm a huge advocate to find finding your niche because it makes it very clear to a prospective client about who you are. And then you can clearly identify who isn't or would be an ideal client. To your point, Stephanie, about kind of finding these relationships outside with a, another financial advisor or, or CPA, if they know exactly the type of client you're looking for, they're not going to send what we call garbage referrals that have no idea or, and vice versa, we, we can find what, what they're looking for. But if you haven't looked at a niche or a specific industry that you, one, love love serving, and, and two, there's an abundance of, you can certainly do that. And we found a lot of success.
5: Awesome. Such gold in those last statements. Thanks, guys. I'm so glad we got to have you on the show today. I know our listeners will get a lot out of it too. It's always a pleasure to, to hang out and talk to you both.
4: Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
3: Have a good one.
0: The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10 minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.